Right, we're back for another episode of Banter Give and Go with me and Maui Snake here. And I thought an interesting angle we could take because the thing you have to realise, guys, is this probably, look, I won't say never, maybe if this whole company got funded and we literally got paid like, I won't say the amount, but a good amount to do each episode, then potentially we could actually literally just take like a whole day off the week and watch the games and that. But like, this is probably never going to actually be like a weekly basketball show, guys. At least not in the sense of like, here's the week's games. And then what about the up and what about the draft picks? Like that's, we have a whole career in Counter-Strike, which is our lives. So it has to more be like, we have to curate or cultivate a theme for an episode or do it like we did before. Like it's like a half mid-season update or like projections to the playoffs. Or when the playoffs come, maybe we can go a bit more in depth on a specific series. So I thought the angle we could do for this one is obviously one of the bizarre things about this particular season of the NBA is there's been not just one or two, there's been this whole flurry of massive people scoring, not just their career high, but often in the 60s, 70s, and basically some of the highest scoring games in NBA history. And the reason why it's so bizarre is because normally you get like one or two of these a season. And this season, the joke is there's already been so many that actually we planned this episode like a few days ago. And in the meantime, yesterday, Steph Curry had like 60 points in a losing game. So even he had like another mega game. So I thought there's so many others. So what we'll do is this. We'll talk about some of the modern ones and some classic games we picked out that were high-scoring games in the past from some big names that you will know. And I thought the way we could do it was this. We've, we've, we we shared the list already, so Maui's had a chance to look up highlights or if he remembers the game, remember the match, etc. And I thought what we could do is, it's a mixture of, we can talk about the game or things we thought about that, but it's also a kind of a cool way to just wax lyrical about the player and things about their career and what their skill set was, etc. And we'll mix in a bit of the old and the new, I thought. So what we'll do, Maui, is... I thought we'll actually start with some of the older ones and then we'll come into the new ones and we'll do it that way, right? So I thought if we're doing it, we are also, as a rule, by the way, we haven't just picked the highest scoring games in NBA history or like just, or in fact, sometimes we've even picked a game that might not even be the highest for that player. But it's just, it's the specific one that makes sense to talk about. But I did think actually, in my opinion, it's funny, this shows how generations change. In my opinion, actually the most underrated game in the history of the NBA is the one I want to talk about first, which is Michael Jordan's playoff career high, which was of course the game where in 1986, he scored 63 points against against the Boston Celtics. Sadly, the Bulls lost in overtime and he actually got swept in that series and the Celtics went on to become champions that year. Now, actually, before we even get into the game, the context alone is why I say that game might be the most underrated because I'm not exaggerating. When you consider this is the playoffs, guys, this actually has a candidate to be the best game ever played of basketball because you have to realise after that year... People who are fans of the Celtics in the 80s think that is the best team to ever play basketball. The one he did the 63 on, the fucking Boston Celtics. That's the one where when they won, even though they won the championship, that was the year where the Lakers had like injury problems and they didn't beat them in the finals famously. So all the Celtics fans all say like, you know, that would have been where it would have been fair. You know, we'd have gone two and two there. You'd have won two. We'd have won two. We were as good. We were better than you. But so basically, essentially one, you've got potentially against the best team ever. Then here's some more context. Two, it's Michael Jordan's second season season ever in the NBA and then three it just come off this like foot injury the same season so like when you add all this together it's actually bonkers now to give you a little bit more context people don't know this because they didn't, never went and looked it up in the game before this this is game two he did it in the game before this by the way he makes like 18 field goals and scores like 49 points and also loses because it's one of those ones by the way Maui where people always tell on themselves like these stupid LeBron fans mm -hmm. who only have access to Wikipedia that's all they have because they actually say no joke Maui 
shit like, you know, Michael Jordan was getting swept before Scottie Pippen. It's like, bro, you go and watch this series right now and tell me how Michael Jordan was the reason they, like, are you kidding me? The joke is, like I just said, he basically had to play like the best team ever to stop him winning. Otherwise, like minimum, he probably wins two games in this series. And like, when, when you're a young player, that's bonkers. So, and also, if you ever watch it, this is actually what's amazing about this game is, it's basically the entire Michael Jordan skill set, even though he actually, at this time, was more of like a highlight player. Like, he actually has like a mid-range, scoring jump shots, everything. He still has all the amazing go-to-the-basket stuff. You can imagine as well. There's another thing. The Celtics isn't a team, by the way. It's not like the modern day, as we'll talk about with some of these 60s and 70s now. You don't just fucking dribble around people and then do like a fucking dunk. Like, they're the motherfucking, it's the playoffs. They just sit back. It's half-court basketball. Like, if you if you, people don't know, one of the reasons that is one of the greatest teams ever is, have you ever seen the fucking front line of this Celtics team, guys? It was fucking <laughs> McHale... Parish and Larry Bird, like even Larry Bird's about six eight or something mental guys. Like it's ridiculous. Like this, this team was just like there's no way you should be able to do this. So like I say, like that's before we even get into the. What do you think of this one? I know it's a boomer game because it's a long, long time ago now. But like I say, the joke is this wasn't even when Michael Jones at the height of his fame. But holy fuck, is this an insane game? Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. It's it's that. The entire repertoire is totally on display for him, even though you would say that he levels up his game over the years. It's just that the Celtics were so stifling with the defense in this one that he, it, in modern NBA terms, you look at some of the shots that Jordan takes in this one and you're like, man, he's settling a lot. Like he has to settle for mid ranges yes. a lot of the time. Like, but the thing is that he was so money between from anywhere that's within the three-point arc that it just didn't matter that he could his body control was just crazy in this one if he takes or absorbs a little bit of contact he doesn't finish like every shot where he absorbs contact but he finishes a few of them in this one uh i would say that i think he probably improves his footwork a bit over time so he's not necessarily like but beating people down in the post but if he's beating someone off of a dribble doing a little sidestep just getting himself just enough space for a mid-range that's all he really needed in this there are a lot, there's definitely a lot of free throws in this one. I think that's kind of a theme of everybody oh, sure. in, this ent- in this entire thing. And like, it's playoff basketball, to be fair, in this one as well. Exactly. But but sometimes he's just carving up two defenders and he's like almost going underneath them. Like, like they are really, they are just swarming him. And anytime he gets probably, I'd say like eight feet within the basket, there are two, if not three bodies on him. And sometimes he's just contorting his body just to find some, some airspace so that he can actually bank it off the glass. It's so difficult. Like the level of difficulty in these shots. Oh, some crazy circus shots in there. Yeah. Yeah. It's simply absurd. And that's why it's one of those games to just look back on. And it's like, Man, if he's doing this in his second year, I mean, we all are, we've all been witness and just know yes. now at, like how incredible he can be. But also it's, it's his athleticism in this also just seems so effortless. There's times where he's just driving baseline and he just simply like, it almost is like he doesn't even bend his knees at all. And it's, it's a dunk. And it's just so, it's just so awe inspiring that, yeah, this is when he's in his physical prime. He might not have all of like all of all of the moves in terms of footwork, but it's just like, his his control of that body is uh, otherworldly. Like to me, I would give to give the esports comparison for people. This is actually like when you have these stud prodigies come along, like Zeru, like Simple, like Monacy, maybe Donk. To be fair, you're all saying it off the dog after like four games. So I'm going to wait until he actually does it. But yes, it's looking like he's tracking there. Like the idea is. It's even though I do get, I, even though it slightly makes the hairs on the back of my neck go up when G2 refers to Monacy as the baby goat, I at least <laughs> still give them credit that, like, it's not, first of all, it's branding, it is clever. And then, true, 
and then I will say, to be fair, he does track like that. That's why it's not a bad name. The problem with that, obviously, is if you then never become the goat, you'll just become the stupid name, won't it? So, but I get the premise of why. Like, essentially, like, you can't basically imagine young players being better than this. Like, you know, like the joke is, if you actually didn't know they were young, you would just think they were the best player already. Like, in just like this game here, like, you would just think this guy, or, you would think this guy was like a 10-year veteran who's, like, mastered his game and they've told him to take every shot. Like, because there's another thing, mate. Man, his fucking Bulls team is miserable. This team is shit. <laughs> Like, the joke is, even one of the only other good players was the guy called Orlando Woodridge. That's a dog shit game, which is why Michael Jordan just has to take every shot. Like, it's actually also another great example also, by the way, because one thing we'll get to as we analyze some of these is, not all of them, I imagine, will we be as complimentary about we Like, spoiler, I what you just said there is going to be a massive sticking point for me. If certain games have too many free throws, does it make it... like you know, Everyone knows this. It's Even back, if it's just a 40-point game. If you see it's a 40-point game and then you open the box score and someone made 17 free throws, you just close the box score, don't you? It's not yeah. that great a game. But I'll give you the one last thing I'll say on this as well. As if to show how different the eras are and how every number is not identical. Like, obviously, even though the number itself in maths is the same, the pace is different, the game is different, the rules are different. He doesn't even attempt the three-pointer in this one, guys. It's all two-point shots. So to get 63 in the playoffs without any three-pointers, because there's another thing you're going to come to later, what you'll quickly see about the modern-day 60s and 70s is everyone's just making, like, eight three-pointers. Everyone's just taking, like, 15 three-pointers or whatever, like... The point is, that's what's pumping the game up as well as the free throws. So, no, I, I think this is just one way. I thought the reason we could lead with it is, first of all, it's the oldest one by far that we got on the list. And then secondly, it's the greatest player ever. And then thirdly, it's just a, a great example of a game where there's not really any knock on it. This is just a straight fire game. And also, I'll just say this. If you're someone who doesn't want to go back and watch history, just watch this one for the sake of all about Michael Jordan. You don't even have to go back into the archives. You'll want to know this one just because it is the most points anyone's ever scored in the playoffs. So it's a straight fire match. Right, what about this then? How about we... I don't know what we'll do. To keep it interesting, we'll bounce between present and past. So I'll tell you what, why don't we just talk about this? It happened basically yesterday at the time of recording. So Steph Curry had this game where he basically had to go fucking ham and still lost in overtime. But give me your thoughts. You're yeah. obviously a, a lifelong Warriors fan. So what are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, this is um, unfortunately one of the games where for Steph against the, the Hawks that you just like... It's like every time he touches the ball, it's it's just pure money. It's it's just magic. But then the problem is that when he's like the defense let him down in this one. I mean, the, the way that overtime started in this one, I think the Hawks got nine points immediately. And so they just kind of ran away with the game. And it, what was otherwise him just bailing them out, bailing them out over and over again. The thing. OK, what I what I love about this game versus maybe some other highlights in in his arsenal is that when you look at how he scored these 60, he's like on. You would say he's on the maybe last quarter of his career right now. I mean, he's, he's in his mid late thirties already. And the thing with Steph is that obviously he's been dubbed the greatest shooter of all time, but like, this is a great example once again of just the amount of amount of options he has as, as a shooter, as a scorer, the way are, at times, he's using his improved body control and the fact that he's muscled up over the years, that he's pushing his body into a handful of defenders. Uh, obviously, his three-point shot is phenomenal, immaculate, as it always is. And um, there's just a couple of moments in this one where you just get to see, like, like um, if people want to go back and look at the highlights, uh, when the scoreline is, like, 2015, he has this just, like, baseline jumper, which is also really uncharacteristic because also one thing that's just really underrated about Steph Curry's game, he's got an insane mid-range shot. It's just that why would he really go to that when he's so damn good at making threes and he also 
can beat people off the dribble really consistently. So yeah, he makes a handful of mid-ranges in this one. I think the last shot that he scores in regulation to tie the game up or to actually get the Warriors into the lead before it hits overtime is is like a floater from like close mid-range. So uh, you see you see so many of of the options here and also I think one thing that's that's kind of characteristic and a hallmark of Steph's experience as a warrior is that so many of these are off the base off of off the ball movement where he just simply catches the ball yes. because Draymond just catches him as he's running off of a high screen and immediately he'll just fire one off because he has two feet of separation between him and the defender. So uh, another thing that's just like like Steph Steph is also just completely cornered the market on what it means to be an off the ball threat. And that's another thing that he did so fantastically in this one. I think that when you look back in history at uh, the amount of like any individual runs, Steph just blows people out of the water in terms of like the amount of time running and like distance traveled in per minute in the game because he is always mobile and you can just see that his defenders are gassed. Like, don't don't forget that like Della Vadova had to go to the hospital just to get some air oh, in sure. like those NBA finals yes. that he was just like, he was breaking him down to that extent. And you imagine that like, it's just one of the toughest assignments where you have obviously these unbeatable players that are just like, you know, they're gifted athletically or, or like their physical attributes are just so unbelievable. But like with Steph, it's like you better hope to God your cardio is in order, because if you're playing yourself into shape at the beginning of the season, like Harden or like a Doncic type, well, you're just going to get absolutely mopped. Yeah. The other thing I will say as well is this is actually it's why it's thematically kind of cool, because unlike some of the other ones I, I referenced, that I'm probably going to be critical of. I have no criticism at all to this one. It's one where, again, it's another loss, but it's one where what did he do wrong? I mean, first of all, guys, one, he only took six three throws. and He made all of them. This isn't like a 25 three throw job and then you make 18 or something like basically this is all just baskets. And then it's not even like he just went crazy on threes. He only made 10 threes. By the way, there's a one thing aside when we took another Steph Curry game we talk about as well. Well, I'll actually say this. This is an obvious thing that these games make me think is the actual problem Steph Curry has because he doesn't actually have as many games as you think. I put it he's never scored 70 points against people don't know. He actually hasn't got that many 50-point games. He tends to be the guy, you'll know this, where he'll score like 56 points and then he just goes on the bench because he won the game or or they just, you know, the rest of the team's active so they passes out. The real problem he has is this, is he actually does clearly care about the position point guard. He actually does think of himself as a point guard, guys. There's a reason why they don't just put him at shooting guard but let him control the ball. He even though, by the way, the joke is he would be an incredible shooting guard because, as you said, one, he's the best shooter, two, he's incredible off the ball. What's amazing about this guy is he actually simultaneously does always try to make the offense work, which is why I actually think he doesn't have as many high-scoring games. Meanwhile, spoiler, I didn't put any hardened games on this list because <laughs> Harden on the Rockets was just one guy dominating the ball. It's like someone playing like an NBA video game and refusing to pass because why would they? It's them. So you just keep it on the star player. It's like he actually plays like my player or whatever the fuck on the like, NBA 2 or whatever, like it's ridiculous. Meanwhile, Steph Curry always tries to make the offense run and get his points. So what I was alluding to was, one, I actually agree. Here's another thing. Steph Curry clearly learned from every great shooter because he has the point guard game, the shoot guard game. But like you say, he does the Real and Reggie Lewis. You run off the screens as well, get open. Like that, because what's great about that, by the way, is that means in games where your teammates aren't doing well, they can still help you get your points though. They can actually still contribute to the offense and it's another, another threat because this isn't a guy just coming down and gun in it every time. He shoots it basically when he has to or when he's the right player to do it. So I actually think also, it's actually a really good example of a game of how to play. And like I said, the reason I brought up the three-point thing is... It's so obvious to me that if you really did put, like, the mind of James Harden in Steph Curry's body, bro, this guy would have scored 80 already. 
He would have made like 23 yeah. pointers in a game. You know what I mean? He's never tried that. In fact, he's even one of those players, sometimes I do, a bit like Jokic and Durant. I'm one of the only people ever who actually complains they don't shoot more. I, I, I want them to actually take... Because I always say it this way, especially, by the way, if you are literally Jokic and Curry, my philosophy goes like this. Yes, you had a game where you scored, you made 60% of your free throws. That looks awesome on paper. But if the four shots you gave away that I want you to have go to a bomb who makes 20% of them, you should have just taken those four, even if you only made two out of the four, and then it made your slightly go down on the field. The point is we win the game, wouldn't we? So I actually think this is an example where, unlike a lot of the other names, he never, this guy never guns it. And the funny thing is, none of the Steph Curry high-scoring games are even the ones where he was just so hot, everyone fed him the ball. Like, the joke is he's had the games where he's made, like, the 12, 13 threes. Just, it ain't these ones. Like, actually, those ones, he tends to be, just have a chill, efficient game and then fucking go on the bench at the end. So, I actually think he could have done so much more. And also, another game where it's totally justified to take all these shots. Like, you might go, 38 shots. Look what a fucking miserable game all the starters have. There's only Kaminga and half-decent game, who, by the way, they've only just figured out how even the fucking use in the team. Like, this team, let's be real as as like the other one which we can segue now we'll just do the other Steph one the one in the playoffs from last year where he's against the Kings it's basically the same problem Maui let's be real these are pretty miserable warrior squads in terms of if you want them to like win the championship like there's a reason why he has to be the man on these teams like you, you couldn't just have like 15 assists and win the game here you wouldn't win the game with these guys yeah he, he has to do a lot himself in these squads this year and last in my opinion it, it really feels like sometimes when when watching Steph you're it's where the team sometimes has let him down the most is not is sometimes when the Warriors especially are in, integrating somebody new to the roster that maybe doesn't quite get it. Say, I mean, there's been a few people like like I'll just pick on Kelly Oubre for example. Sure. Here. Like, like people like Kelly Oubre for example when he joined the Warriors didn't really understand that. The game isn't your game. The game is really we're all trying to feed Steph. And sure, you'll find your own sometimes in the flow of the game, especially when Steph's on the bench. But just basically, you need to have one eye doing whatever it is that you're doing. And your other eye needs to be on where Steph is on the floor. And so sometimes there are opportunities or wasted possessions where Steph is still running around. He's still he's still carving up a defense, still making them move. And I think the term that has been most adequately used to describe his effect on the floor is just gravity. And that's that's where he's just because he's moving through the sea of defenders. It's giving opportunities for so many people on his team. And so sometimes they do feel like they should shoot but again like yeah we want stuff to shoot more because sometimes it's like an open 15 footer from wiggins is not as good as actually uh a 30-footer from Steph with a defender that's three feet away from him. By the way, Maui's <laughs> not even just saying, like, aesthetically. I think even stats-wise, he probably, you know, like, the joke is the Wigan one's probably 45%, and then Steph's, even with the guy covering him, probably, like, 48% or something stupid, isn't it? Like, that's how ridiculous <laughs> this guy is off the dribble, yeah. Yeah, yeah, or just the implied <laughs> points that, like, it's a it's a Wiggins 2 for 45%, but a Steph 3 yes. with coverage is yeah. 40%, and that's just, you know, in the long run, that actually yes. pays out. That, that pays out. You beat the house, so... Uh, yeah, that, and that's kind of where, like, sometimes it just feels like Steph, Steph tries, like, on these days where Steph doesn't even have a good day, so often it's like they just didn't feed him a couple times. Like, somebody missed the, missed the fact that, hey, by the way, this is what we're trying to accomplish and build in this, in this possession, and then it just kind of seems like Steph is still hunting for it, but he's not calling for it. Like, that's the one thing where I've seen Durant do this so much more where he like, he'll clap or like a lot of, a lot of top players on top teams and star players for that matter will clap for the ball and almost yell at their teammates or they literally will yell. And 
I just I see Steph more times frustrated at the end of a possession because the ball never got back to him than I saw him yelling for the ball because he knew he was open. Because, yeah, obviously we can talk about that Kings game. Like I say, that team yeah. and the Warriors, look... On paper, I would obviously have had them going a little bit further in the playoffs, potentially. I thought they could have beat the Lakers. But even so, they weren't going to win the NBA that year. Like, the Nuggets would have beaten them. Like, it's not a problem. Yeah. But I actually think also this game, bear in mind, it's a game seven of a fucking playoff series. It's just another example, actually, like I say, where if you're not a player who's either an ego player or in a really bad team, this is the only way you're ever going to get 50 and 60 point games from some of these guys. You have to sort of trap them and force them to have all these shots. Because this is another perfect example of where, look how many players on his team are just having terrible games. They're missing everything like meanwhile he's making everything and even then by the way he's not even that selfish if you go and look like yeah he makes like 12 shots in the second half he doesn't gun it the whole time though he still passes it's just that like he's the only one scoring so this is actually like a banger game I actually think funnily enough as much as people want the rings and stuff like this I think actually even games like this when like you sort of shouldn't win the game but you do I think they actually in some ways are underrated for how they add to your legacy like, this is a playoff game guys like it's a do what remember if he loses this game like the joke is essentially if he just scores 40 instead of 50 by He's just going home after this game. It's over. The playoffs is over. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's a do or die. And it was you know, off the back of a championship winning season. So you're hoping that you're hoping. We, I mean, I, when I was watching, it was kind of like, oh, where, where can they push this one? The Warriors definitely felt weaker this year or that year. But uh, it, and it was definitely like the end of Poole, who was playing just terribly. Like he, it was kind of his downfall, too. So there was just no one else you could really rely on. And that's kind of the big thing here. Like if you look at the box score on this one, like Clay was two for 10 from three in this one, four for 19 overall. Wiggins five for 16. There was literally no one else that was dependable in this game. And so like Steph's the only one that scored over 20 and he dropped 50 points and and it was an efficient in in some ways it was a pretty efficient 50 given that he was shooting above 50 percent like i don't know like how much more is he supposed to do and yeah it's just that so a lot of the shots were this was like a decent amount of assist game for the warriors but they're usually kind of gunning for 30 assists in a game this was actually only 25 assists for this game overall for the team and and if you look i mean looking back at this one the amount of unassisted shots that curry had to make in this one is probably a bit more than i'm used to seeing too yes Okay, we'll move on. What we'll do is we'll go back again. So as I said, by the way, when I started, like, Michael, don't worry, we're not going anywhere that far back now. Like, let's just do an obvious one now, which is going to be Kobe's 81 game, which I will just point out. I always am going to say this at the beginning. Bearing in mind, there is no video footage of Wilt Chamberlain scoring 100 points. This is on video, the highest scoring game in NBA history, if people don't know. And I'll even add this in there. I'm, I would, I'm not going to claim it's like a conspiracy like it didn't happen. All I'm going to say is this, though. It's a bit convenient that there are so many games on film, even from that era, but the one where he caught 100 didn't. Because my problem with that is, like, at that point, how many people really would have to be in on it? You know what I mean? Like, couldn't you have sort of scored 85 and then, you know, the guy in the box scored just to say, fuck it, this isn't even being filmed. And then, you know, how I wonder how many people would the conspiracy, would it need to be four people, five? Would it even need to be 10? You know what I mean? I even feel like, mate, if you know how things work in media, because back then all you're going to see is like a newspaper article on that famous picture of like 100. The joke is like, if you know that famous story that goes that like, there was so, so I think there was something like 100,000 people went to Woodstock, but the joke always goes 300,000 people People claim they yeah. were there. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, yeah. oh no. So my point on that one is we can't know what the World Chamber of 100 point one was like. So realistically, this is actually like the best of the highest scoring games. And if people don't know, since this is 2006, there's actually still a fairly low scoring era. This is obviously before the three point era. Spacing's terrible. It's actually quite hard to score if you're like exactly in a perimeter player in this time period. It's actually the era, funny enough, when people like Shaq, etc. and Tim Duncan's do fucking take Kevin Garnett. Like actually being big, still an advantage back then. So obviously this is a perfect example 
example of what I said before. This is an example of someone who's on a dodgy-ass team. That Lakers team was garbage that year, guys. Like, just look at the starting lineup. Forget the rest of the team. Just the starting line, like, bro, these would all be bench players on even any other team. Like, even a bad team probably wouldn't want to have these guys in the starting position. So, because if people don't know, this was in the aftermath of the Shaq trade, so they'd fucked up the org for a little while while they were rebuilding. And this is just another example of a game where, like, as much as Kobe in other games could have deserved the title ball hog, he just has to do it in this one. He really has to just gone the whole time or they would have just lost this game. Like, what's cool about this one is, if you remember the flow of it, the Lakers aren't even leading until, like, right until the end of the game. Mate. Like, I think it's only something like a few minutes before the end of the game. They had to take the lead for the first time or something mental or, like, first time since the beginning of the first quarter. Like, he actually just has to basically take every shot. And what's great is, even though back then people weren't shooting threes that much, he just got into everything in this one. Shoots threes that come down, contested twos. Oh, it's all everything, everything. It also makes loads of free throws. Like, I think this is, I mean, it's a classic game. What are your thoughts on this? It's obviously an old school one. Yeah, I mean, in terms of, I think the, well, the legacy that stands with this one is all the jokes that are made about Jalen Rose, who was his oh, sure. defender for assignment and stuff like that. And like, I think there was that Nike commercial or something where, yeah. Yeah, like, so he comes up with the bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's like, how many, how many olives do you want in your martini? Yes. He says 881. Yes. <laughs> it's just such, it's just so BM. Um, that's, that's a fun way to remember it. But in terms of what, I, what Kobe was actually accomplishing in this one, um, I mean, we kind of like mentioned the fact that free throws are probably going to be a theme for like not too many of the ones that we picked out. But this one, it's just the efficiency on free throws is goddamn impressive. He goes 18 for 20 from from the line. And beyond that, in terms of some of the shots that he made in this one, like you could just take still images of so many of the moments where Kobe is is slicing through defenders. And it would be like a renaissance painting where some guy is again, like just ball behind his head almost like looking up at the sky there's like two people draped on him it's i I think there's a subreddit that's like accidental renaissance and like you probably if you if you got any of these of these stills where he's making a layup all of them would have looked like that because he's just like overly extending his body and like hand behind the head it's just so it's so uh like the aesthetics of this, like I get why you like Kobe because of games like this, because aesthetically it's just on another level. And even like, oh, some it's of the art. Ways yeah, you're right. It is art. It's like Renaissance art. Yeah. He he rises up in these ways sometimes that it's just like, like when I think of it, like, t- like T-Mac in his prime where he was able to just kind of like sometimes rise above the defender and just kind of like straighten up and, and yep. just get a shot off. It's kind of like slightly tilted too, where it's not like. Like, we're going to get to another guy, too, like Melo, who I just think goes super stiff. But, like, Kobe can kind of have this fluidity to him where he almost is, like, lightly off kilter. Like, if you drew, like, a lo- a line from, like, kind of, like, crotch to head, it would barely ever be straight up. Like, he's doing it just, like, slightly off balance all the time. And that just goes to show how much control he has over, like, his coordination in this is so beautifully on display that it's one of those ones where watching every basket back is so it's so it's just it's soothing it's it's so much more soothing than some of the people that we're gonna get to that it feels like mm, it's a bit more like about the system it's a bit more like the bruising nature or like there's all these different aspects you can find to describe it but for Kobe's it's just aesthetically pleasing Oh, no, I know what you mean. Like, for example, you see it in this game, but in his prime, he especially was famous for this. You know what he would do that stuff where, because he was one of the best at pump faking people, if you actually do the right thing, like you play perfect defense and you stay down on two pump fakes, famously, he just still shoots it anyway. I don't think people know. This is where motherfuckers like Steph Curry have just ruined the NBA for, like, normal fans. Like, that's a terrible shot, by the way, guys. Yeah. Like, at that point, right, You're first of all, like, the guy is not going up. And then when you do, you have no airspace. Like, you have to jump up a little bit backwards 
Otherwise, if he puts his hand out, it's going to fucking shot up. Like, one, there was a concept people don't understand in the NBA when it comes to shooting, which is, it's not even that the guy has to touch it, but the reason why defenders always do the, like, contests like that is because supposedly when you're shooting, part of how they do it is some of them even use, like, a visual reference of their arms. And if on your shooting arm, someone's arm comes close, it's going to, fu- it's going to come in your peripheral vision, you're going to see the arm come, like, anything that the person does can throw you off. They didn't have to touch you in that scenario. Like, all they have to do is fuck with you. Like, the amount of times he just does this in this game, which makes the shot anyway. Like, what do you want? Like, there's nothing you can do against that. And then also, I'll throw this out there as well, which is, this is another example of a game where, like I say, like, you can't fault him for any of this. Like, there's there's been high-scoring games where someone cooks in the first half and then it's like, you know, they let him stay out there, they get a few more points, either you win in a blowout or, you know, you just cool off and you, you end up with, like, 55 when he could have had the big game. He, he scores 55 of these in the second half, guys. Like I say, he's behind the whole game. And in fact, if you actually watch the flow of the game, his teammates are beyond fucking useless in this one, mate. <laughs> like, literally, some of them are just stood there watching. And then I'm, and because, in my opinion, they're so far behind, and this is kind of like a meaningless regular season game because it's not that great team, it looks like they've already decided they've lost. Some of them just look like they're falling it in. It's like, we're going to lose by 20 or whatever. And the joke is, it's only once he comes down. Like, if people don't know, basically the third quarter is where he wins this game. He just, like, bombs a million threes that he makes just all insta like he just come like he's doing actually Steph Curry shit where it's almost like from the logo you just fucking bang a three in like and he just does so many of those like all of a sudden you're like holy shit it's like 15 point game now like what the and then it's suddenly a match like this is like an example of like a rare time one person did win the game in my opinion it's fucking bonkers isn't it it's too good <laughs> yeah and let's segue nice then because I yeah. thought the other obvious one from Kobe was actually from the same season. It was actually a few weeks earlier. This was the one against the Mavs where he scores 62 and three quarters and doesn't play the fourth quarter. So first of all, there's a little bit of context to say here. So one, if people don't know what's funny about this game is he doesn't play the fourth quarter. So he easily could actually have gotten potentially 70, at least I don't know about eight, but he could have got seven. Now what's funny is at the time, supposedly they did say to him when he, because they, they were at home, this is in Staples Center, and the Mavs are his big team. Supposedly they did say to him, Mouse, do you want to go back in in the fourth? And he actually said, and this is gangsters, fuck, just something like, nah, I'll get it another time. And the joke is a few weeks later, he literally did score 81 points. So the other thing about Kobe, by the way, is unlike people like Harden, He's in that... I know this will sound mad because everyone thinks Kobe's a ball hog, but he's actually in the fucking Steph Curry category I gave earlier where he actually has games he could have forced it and he didn't because obviously his problem is this, Maui. It's not that he doesn't shoot the ball a lot, but it's just that because a lot of his Laker teams were very good, sometimes they would obviously rest him in the fourth if he was blowing the game out already. He's had a whole bunch of games where he's had mega point fifty, sixty through three, and then you just sit in the fourth or you come out the game when it's a blowout. Like in that scenario, if you, if you have championship aspiration, you're not supposed to sort of risk it at that point in time. Then there's also the context to this game, which is pretty wild too, which is this team, Mavs team, is the one that goes to the finals and we're actually favoured to win the title, guys. And they're actually like one of the absolute best teams. Here's the other thing. You'll notice a lot of the other games, unlike this one and the Mavs and the... Jordan one. A lot of them are also against bottom feeder teams, you'll notice. Like, spoiler, it's quite a few you'll notice that Maui that are against the fucking Bobcats or the Hawks or something. Bobcats you know what I mean? Hawks. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of these, are, and, and we're not talking about eras like in the 1980s when the Hawks were good. Like, a lot of these ones are when they're just fucking nobodies. This is against actually one of the best teams in the NBA. This team was a banger. They were a really fucking good team. Like, if I go and look now, this team was the third be- highest, um, uh, like, rated Let me think. Let me just double check this. All right. This team had the ninth most points per game and the seventh uh, 
of on the opponents. So it's actually like just on yeah. both sides of the ball, it's one of the best teams in the whole NBA. And this one, look, it's not as efficient as the other one. And there's definitely a lot more missed shots in this one. But this is also another game where it's just 1v5, like basically. And the joke on this one is, you can tell he actually isn't even thinking it's going to be a massive scoring night for most of the game. In the third, he just goes so crazy that what's cool is, at the end of the third, and the commentators even say this in the game, but you can tell it's true. Because they're now blowing them out, you can even tell it was that shit where it's like, when you got three minutes left, you just know the coach tells you, just get everything you can in the next three minutes. You, <laughs> yeah. you ain't playing in the fourth. So he does. He really does in the last like two minutes, just try every shot and obviously make loads of them. So this is also like another one where I have to say, unlike a lot of the high scoring games, this is one because it's at home at Staples, the crowd it goes fucking ham on this one. Like it's actually a super hype, even though it's just a regular season game. It's a really hype game actually. Like it's a really fun one to watch. Oh, the crowd just completely erupts when he hits that final three-pointer. Yes just to end the quarter to put him up 90 95 to 61 that part that part like everybody's just celebrating the moment because they know they're probably headed home also at that point so one last ovation you're just not even going to watch that last quarter of basketball you're trying to beat the la traffic yes. i understand <laughs> I, yeah uh the that this one's great also because like yeah we looked back at some of these and honestly like when we're just watching these bobcats and hawks versus type games i i literally I can't name maybe more than one player on yes, the opposing exactly. team, but this is one where it's like, he's actually die. He's like slicing through Dirk all the time. Like yes, Dirk, Dirk does, just looks yeah. like he looks like a mannequin in yeah. this. Yeah. So that's, that's really entertaining. I think for this one compared to the 81 point game, my, my biggest point is that his, he was kind of going inside a little bit more. Uh, he was kind of like, he bought, he like kind of bumped people a little bit more. Like I'll say this against the Raptors for some reason, it felt like, he, he did draw contact like he made a lot of free throws in this one, but a lot of this one was he would draw contact and finish with contact more, whereas the other one he was kind of like weaving through them a little bit more. He yes. looked a little bit more fluid like this one to me is a little bit less sexy of a game, I would say, but it's against better opposition and it shows um, just kind of like the interior game pretty well still, but, uh, but it's like slightly different, whereas like, you know, there's certain players it, it almost is like. If you if somehow you could just put a different like skin on him or whatever, a different body, you'd almost think maybe this could be a different guy because it is kind of a little bit more bruisey as opposed to as as like silky as the the Raptors one. Yes. I mean, I will just say on this one, put it this way, it looks like he wants to go to the free throw line a lot on this one. He yeah. definitely attacks and goes to get the fucking contact. Or it also has a couple of good hand ones in this one. And then um let me think where was it going with it? Oh yeah, I tell you what, I think there was one last thing I was gonna say there, but I can't remember what it was. Oh, and I agree with you, Bisky. But like, put it this way: of all the ones on the list, there's plenty of games that are better than this. But I just think the competition just makes this epic. Like, yeah, this is a mega team to do it against. I even think I, I agree with you on that one. The joke is, you would watch this if you watch the highlights. You'll think, oh, it's Dirk Nowitzki, really old. No, he's really young. It's just that the joke is, like, he just looks wooden because the guy just euro steps around him all the time. Really, like, nothing he can do. I, I mean, just like for for even greater context on this one, this is this is the. Um the Mavs that made it to the finals and lost in yes. six to the heat. So like, that's, that's another thing. Like a few of the games we picked, sure. Steph has a game that has more than 50 points, but like, you know, it was in game seven of a playoff series. That's why we picked that one. And the yes. Jordan one also just like, you know, it's just, play, it's a playoff one in a second year. Like context matters for these. Yes. So, okay. We'll do a present one again. The one that actually made me think of doing this video was the Embiid one, where the 76ers yeah. play. Now, here's where we'll say Embiid. It's almost like you heard what we just said, and then you hacked <laughs> the system. Because it's going <laughs> to sound good that your game's against the Spurs. Yeah, this ain't the Spurs of the last 35 years. Whatever guy. This is the dog shit Spurs where it just is like you watch the Wemby guy. That's it. There's nothing else going on in this Spurs. So, and the joke, by the way, is the Wemby guy actually has a good game here. But it, the problem is Embiid has 70 points. 
Yeah. 70 points. Yeah, th- I, this one, we're, for, for Embiid in this one, he did get, he got to the line a ton. Like, he took 21 Fucking lords, in this yes. one. But but um, there were some really great moments for Embiid in this game where, for example, pretty early on, I think it was the first quarter, he had this moment. I, I know the scoreline was like 28 to 29. He, he gets a rebound. He goes coast to coast. And then he beats the defender off the dribble by like kind of kind of doing like a hesitation to the left side. And then he does a pull up jumper. And it felt very like Kawhi-esque, I would say. And, and then but yet Embiid can do that. And he's also like just battling down low so frequently against one Wembenyama. And I think that this game is going to age super well because if Wembenyama does go on to become oh, transcendent sure. talent, then you're going to see a rookie Wembenyama getting cooked by you know the previous season's MVP, and it's just kind of like it, it's you know it's that uh, Reggie Miller line of like this is your welcome to the NBA right. moment because even though Wembenyama does he does do decently for himself, sure. it's like you are not you are not doing anything to slow down Embiid. It's like he's 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 big enough, he's definitely tall enough. But he he's not he doesn't have the weight. He cannot contain Embiid. It, it really does feel like um, it kind of feels a little bit like some of those older Shaq games too, where he's just he's just botting. He's just like he's just using his waist to throw throw Wembenyama around, <laughs> and there's just no chance. Like there's no chance he can even slow him down. Yeah, another thing I'll say about this game as well is he doesn't just get the seventy points, guys. He has nine offensive rebounds. Like, yes, that yes. would just for like a, a, a all star rebounder, that would be an amazing like career high type game. That's bonkers. Yeah, this is probably of all the games we did. This is like the one where I noticed the most often he's cleaning up the offensive glass and then just putting it back in because yes. again, like they can't they can't do anything about him. Yes, and then the only thing is though, here's the, what's funny is I'll get the criticism out the way first, which is yes, there's obviously a fuck ton of free throws in this game, and unfortunately, the one part I don't like about Embiid's game, aside from that shit where he refuses to magically play the Nuggets ever at home while Jokic is in the NBA, aside from that, my main problem with him is he is actually criminal for how much he tries to seek fouls constantly oh, on yeah. every fucking. And by the way. I'll tell you what, there's a lot of players in the NBA who get the whistle. This guy has the whistle is permanently in the referee's mouth on this guy. I don't know why specifically this player. I don't know if it's some angle like, this is the conspiracy angle, like they are sick of it all being European players that are the top players and they want to like pump up the American. I don't know if it's that shit, but like I'm actually shocked how much this guy, put it this way, this guy, I'm not a LeBron fan. This guy gets the whistle more than LeBron. I'm telling you right now, it's, it's bonkers. But fair play, here's what I will give him the credit though. Mate, He's actually a better free throw shooter than fucking LeBron. It's a joke. Like yeah, he's he a re- for a big, he is an incredibly good free throw shooter. In fact, there's a bigger point I'll say. His mid range re- is reminiscent of Anthony Davis's as well. Mate, his his fucking shooting is way too good for a big. You see this box score because you know he's a center. You're gonna assume it's all like Shaq, like power, do monks, do, or like you know you spin move and then you just finish at the rim. No, no, dude. Like half of this, he does like fadeaways and shit, and like or he goes to like you know nine feet in and then takes a shot, and he's really good actually. He's so fucking smooth in this. Game. Game. like his shot's fucking excellent so yeah and also to make the free throws like that's epic too like for a center i wouldn't care if he'd missed like seven or eight more of these free throws so he'd be down at like 60 summit so yeah i think this is actually aside from that one aspect i had the criticism but i actually think this is a fucking banger game like i say what fucking amazing touch this guy actually shows for a big man you might dislike other aspects about my gotta give it up but he killed it on this game he was sick yeah fair play yeah the the mid range the mid range is probably something for Embiid that has been I I feel like the things I like about his game the most are footwork inside which I feel like he doesn't do often enough if I'm being real and then the fact that he can actually shoot from range I'm kind of glad that he doesn't I feel like for a while in 
maybe like four seasons ago or so, maybe more, it really felt like Embiid was kind of going down this path of like, is he trying to be a little bit more of a stretch big? And I'm kind of glad that he's he's kind of moved away from that. He still goes for them, but like he shoots less threes than he did. Like in, in his third, yes. I'm, I'm okay. Now I pulled up the numbers now. It's like his, in his third season, he was shooting 4.1 threes per game this season, 3.3. And in his MVP season, he shot just three. So it's like, he's toned that down a little bit. And in fact, actually his efficiency has gone up from three too. It's like, if he's taking them, he's probably like very open at it. He's just making sure that it's respectable. Like, for example, like Giannis is the most annoying three-point shooter ever. Like I get, I get almost just peeved when I see that he's actually going to start motioning, like he's going to even shoot the shot because it's like a, an audible groan comes out when I see him spot up from three for Giannis. Whereas with Embiid, I'm kind of like, yeah, okay, I feel like you you actually can hit this sometimes, so it's okay. Basically, that is one of my areas where I hate these analytics motherfuckers because it's a famous thing. I told you the story on the last episode that the coach of the Lakers even said, even though he didn't do it, that he wanted like fucking Anthony Davis to take like three three pointers a game every game, no matter what, or something, or might even have been six or five or something like. The what the problem I have with that is this: yes, we all understand that you need you don't have to have as high a number from three. We've all learned that. that. That was ten years ago now that that epiphany came. By the way, guys, but the bigger issue is this because now everyone shoots threes you can have one player who doesn't shoot threes logically if he's your center just have that fucker pass to the other people who all shoot the three that's the part that doesn't make sense it's like it's like you're acting like there is a one-on-one game well in that case everyone should take threes no if your whole team is shooters then why would you do it because i also think there's another player like why bother taking a three Giannis is just bad at it this guy's not bad anthony davis is sort of sus but like they're all so good like first of all Giannis is so good going to the basket and then the other two have such good mid-range why would you waste your time on a yeah. worse shot it's just stupid, isn't it? Like, I wouldn't even bother at that point in time, mate. Don't even fucking bother. Yeah, you're just trying to, like... You're, you, I, I feel like you just kind of want enough that it pulls the defender to you so you can then pull a move on them, and they can't just sag off of you three feet behind the line or four feet behind the line. At least, at least give them the threat of that. But again, yeah, like, if you're Giannis, you don't even care. Like, give them, give them that head start. If you're going downhill, you're beating them either way. Okay, so what we'll do is, even though this one technically, Maui, in the context of the overall game, is nowhere near on the all-time list, but this is one where, if people don't know, if we want to go by high-scoring quarters, well, Steph Curry, oh. uh, sorry, Clay Thompson scored 37 in that quarter against the Kings, famously. And I'll tell you what, mate, this is a game, no joke, where especially if I've been on the old devil's cabbage, I've watched this so many times <laughs> this quarter. Because what's mad about this yeah. quarter is... Dude, the craziest part about this is you can tell at the beginning of the quarter he has no idea this is going to happen because so many of the points come right at the end. And what's insane is like I I would I now feel like I was exaggerating when I earlier said that like Harden's like this is NBA 2K because yeah. holy shit at the end of this game he literally takes every shot he can and the team consciously perma forces it like Steph Curry forces the ball into his hand. Every like they're almost doing the shit where you do like two like a hockey assist pass just to get this fuck of the ball because he is. So so hot. This is why there used to be a saying, and it'll have aged badly now because everyone knows Clay Thompson is actually sort of fucking washed right now. But when they both were in their early prime, when Steph Curry hadn't totally peaked, there used to be a real discussion, Maui, and it was legit that even though Steph Curry was the best shooter probably already ever, that actually... Clay Thompson might have the best shooting form and release ever. And this game is why, motherfucker. Holy shit, his release is fast on this game. Like, I'm not, none of these defenders are fucking up, by the way. You just can't jump that fast. Like, he basically gets it. And I used to think Ray Allen's release was fast. This motion is perfect, mate. This is like, literally, if you made like a computer animation of what like a jump shot should look, it's this. 
He just gets it and he can instantly square his shoulders, go up, shoot, and he shoots so fast and the accuracy also for that speed doesn't even make... Like, genuinely, this quarter is bonkers. And like I say, the end of the quarter is so cool because even when there's like two minutes left, he's just getting... Like, he probably gets 10 shots off after that. Like, it's insane how much they feed him. <laughs> but it's so fun, isn't it? Because you can tell everyone in the whole place is just like, give this guy the ball because it's just the magic moment. Like, he's just got the touch in that moment. Like, this is, by the way, the game where it's like... The joke is... Even though I sort of know if I was a GM, I should actually just cut and move on from Claire Thompson now. Games like this is like, I can't, I just can't quit you, Claire Thompson. You know what I mean? Like, how could you ever give up yeah. on a player? It's, it's too sick, isn't it? It's actually a mega game, this one. This, this one quarter is bonkers, isn't it? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's the only one where we're just we're just really talking about the quarter itself. But I mean, it is the it is the NBA record for 37. I mean, 13 for 13 shooting um, nine for nine from three. Like overall, he scored 52 on the night, but he didn't play after the third. I'm, I'm pretty damn I'm pretty I damn think, sure he didn't play. I, th I think if he did, he came like late in the game where you've cooled off or some of that. I, th I think I think he might have had the rest of the year off. We'll see. Yeah. So so the thing there's a couple moments in this one that are really funny. I think that um so I wrote down some of the score lines, but like early on in the quarter, I didn't, I didn't write this one down. Like he gets an alley-oop from Steph, which is also like, you don't really see Clay sure. Thompson receiving alley-oops. So that's kind of a random shot that he ends up making in this one. At, at, to, to get it to 66 to 74, Clay's maybe four, four feet behind the three-point line. He points in front of him, like set a high screen for me. And before... Before even like moving his hand all the way back, he's already moving back into a shooting motion and like I'm just gonna jack this one because the, the defender sagged off me for a half second there, and and he nails that one. Uh, to get it to 70 to 92, he also just kind of like he gets the ball in the corner and the defender is literally draped on him the entire time. Like there's not even a second. Like this this is not a good shot. Like this is flat out hor a horrible shot. Like it's flat out bad basketball. And if you saw someone take that, you'd probably be like. Is that like, you know, Kobe would do that in a late game situation or something like that. But Clay turns his entire body like to like his body is not facing even the basket and he turns it all the way to face it. He's not even square with it whatsoever. And he just nails it also. So so many moments like that in this one where it's just like, oh, it's the ultimate okay. hate check game, right? You can yeah. tell he's almost thinking like, if I miss, I'll stop. But he just never misses. It, it's the joke in it. <laughs> the pro and like a couple yeah the thing with clay that is like kind of frustrating actually is that he's he's kind of been seeking this game ever since then yes. where if he if he makes two threes in a row i just know for certain i know every single time he's just gonna jack up a terrible shot it's so it's just so automatic for him if he makes two in a row he's just gonna take himself and his team out of the flow of the game and that's why it's kind of like man clay we saw it before like we, we know we know that happened but like you still should play good basketball. Like, I feel like people are, I mean, maybe I'm just hyper fixating on the Warriors because I watch them so much, but it's kind of like, I feel like with other teams, when they got their guy kind of on a roll, they don't always have to force the third shot, but Clay will just, it's its a guarantee. Like, he's just, it's almost like he's afraid he's never going to see the ball again. It's like, when I'm when I'm traveling for work sometimes and we have catering, like, sometimes I'll just overeat the catering because I'm, <coughs> I'm in, like, a random country and, like, God sure. knows where, and I, I can't really trust the food anywhere. It's like, I just have to eat because I feel like, it's just like, it's like, I don't know when the heck, heck my next meal is, and that's what Clay's like when he gets the ball on this team sometimes because he knows if it goes to Curry, it's probably being sent up by Curry. He's had pool next to him, so he knows he's going to jack up shots, and with Clay, it's like, I don't know where my next meal is coming from, so I just got to shoot this ball. And so that's what that's what I get from him a lot, which is unfortunate uh, because he's obviously fallen so far down oh, in yes. terms of his efficiency. It's just like too many shots out of the flow of the game. But what, what's great about this one is that it felt like it was in the flow of the game for the very beginning. And then he got by, by 20 points deep into a quarter. Yes, you, you have the green light on everything. 
Also, I will just say, this is like an example of where, if people don't know, the saddest thing about Clay Thompson isn't even just how much his game's dropped off. It's like, don't, I'm telling you, if you don't want to be hurt, don't listen to an interview. He's totally delusional. I he, know. He thinks people are like hating on him, bro. Like, it's mental. Like, he actually genuinely almost makes it like it's a media narrative. It's like, bro, we're watching these games. Like, there's a reason we just talked about that stuff. There's a reason now Skeff has to bomb 60 points and then a loss, motherfucker. Because you don't shoot, you don't score baskets anymore. Like, what's going on with you? It's, something's gone in this guy's head. Because the weird thing is, obviously, in the modern day, the injuries are Lord, don't end your career anymore. It is psychological something with this guy. Like, and I also think the sad thing is, I, I, I'll tie it to what I said about Corey though. They have also, by being in the same team and both being sick shooters, probably both cost each other a lot of 50 point and 60 point games too. Because oh. I'll tell you what, if you did just draft it like Clay Thompson to win, like if he himself was on some team like the fucking Kings like this, he would be scoring way more. He would have had way more games where he could just bag out. And like, because essentially, like I say, you saw in an ideal world to have a high point game, you probably usually need the opponent to be leading in the game. So you have to keep shooting, you have to keep scoring. And it's not like you're being egregious at that point in time. Whereas, and there's another thing, forget even when they had high scoring games think how many times the Warriors have had to sit the starters because they just blew the whole team out the fucking arena and you know they score 130 points and sit down for five minutes like these guys also could like it's why in a way you'll notice another theme that's emerging is these aren't really like the best circumstance and then you score 70 points. It's like, usually it's a flawed game and so you have to do it. Like it's the basketball is a team sport. In an ideal world, you do, you know, all your starters do just score 22 points and then you win the game by 15 and it's just a comfortable game. Like basketball isn't really supposed to be, like I say, NBA 2K, one guy just got in it 50 times because you're playing on a PlayStation at home and why would you pass? Like, like that's the other thing. Like to be fair, that's why in my opinion, as we'll maybe get to later, I do think some of the modern day games are sort of in or people don't play defense or you get too many free throws or, or everyone just takes threes is the obvious angle. That has some pumped up some of the stats. Right, let's go back then because what about, even though, surprise, surprise, he's not somebody who scores a lot of 50-point games. So obviously we didn't really like have a massive lot to choose from from LeBron. So I thought we'd just do his career high. His career high was that game against the Bobcats where he scored 61. Right, first things first, if you just look up the box score for this one, Maui, it'll crack you up. Because you know, there's one person I feel so bad for, which is, you know, Al Jefferson, who's always been like, you know, yeah. like a solid centre. Like he's like sort of like a 20 and 10 centre. Dude, he has an amazing game in this one. He scores 38 points with 19 rebounds, fourth front to rear. And he scores 18 out of 24 field goals. Bad luck for him. This was the night where LeBron got 61. So the joke is no one's even going to remember. That might on paper be like the best game that guy ever played. Like, that's like a banger game. But no one gives a shit because one, you're on the Bobcats. And two, LeBron scored 61. <laughs> so sorry, you, you don't even get the top bill in. Because this is, look, this is actually where, even though people know I'm going to criticize LeBron, I'm going to do it in a way that's actually cool. The sad thing about LeBron is, I actually also think, like Steph Curry, he buys into the idea that because he handles the ball, he is the point guard. I want to sit these guys down and go, guys, these roles aren't strict like that. Like, you just, if it makes sense in the game or with your personnel, you decide if you want to distribute or score. Because I actually think, by the way, if LeBron really was greedy and he had like some harden in him, dude, he could have had nights like this way more often. He could have had ones where he just... Like, first of all, what's cool about this game is he actually does shoot a lot in this one. His three-point shooting is very, very good. Normally, that's one of my concerns with LeBron. His mid-range kind of a bit absent. Like... 
I've even thought, though, just if you think about how many games he's had where, like, especially in his prime, this is slightly after his prime, his foot speed used to be so crazy, dude. He could have had games where he could have just made 15 baskets just going around people. He just would have had to force the action at some point. And obviously, sometimes you go into the guy and you pack kick to the guy from the shooter or you set your guys up. Or if you remember, one of the problems LeBron had in his early days is it was half-court games, so you have to come down and then pass it. You're a dickhead if you shoot the ball immediately. That's modern-day shit. You don't do that back then. So this is actually a rare example where LeBron really gets to sort of fucking push the ball out and gone a little bit and it's actually a cool game because he is hot in this one he does get pretty hot it's um it's interesting because i feel like before lebron really came into the league you weren't really getting too many guys that are six foot eight handling the ball over half court like they're the ones taking the ball out yes and then he just starts the offense on his own and i think this was kind of in a way it's kind of weird that this is his signature move, but I almost feel like when I think of LeBron and what makes him so unique in terms of play style, it is the fact that he'll dribble the ball all the way up the court. And then because he's just, he can just be a freight train and he's probably playing the wrong sport and he should just be a running back. Actually, it's that he'll just, just take two dribbles in and he's moving so fast with so much force that everybody kind of like, they're like bowling pins. Essentially he'll move in a little bit. And then like he's in a, in a couple of times in this game, like, he does get he does get a couple passes and everything like that, but so frequently he's just the one that's like that's kicking off the offense. And so he gets to be he gets to dictate where it's going. And there's a couple of good passes in this one that he throws too. like that's kind of an, a, ga- a part of his game that people uh, always always be. They're always sure to mention if they're a LeBron stand. But I mean, like it's it's that you don't like before. I feel like before this this time period, I really just didn't see too many guys that could just that could just do this because like. I think of like people like T Mac that were kind of like the proto version of maybe like Durant or or uh, or LeBron. I think of people even like Dr. J who kind of were like forwards that were a little bit slashier, but they're not usually starting the ball all the way as far up as LeBron did in this. And that's kind of where it's like his the his the amount of motion he has in this game with the ball in his hands and how ball do- when he's this ball dominant, how strong he can be. That's when it felt always like when we don't see these games from LeBron, it's almost like, why are you squandering what you could do every single game? Because it does feel like he's just so much more powerful than everybody here, even though he does obviously have a good mid-range game. He, he hit some threes in this this game too, but it's just that I, I almost want to, I just want to see this more because when you, when you would play NBA 2K as LeBron, this is how you'd use him. You just like take the ball up. You'd literally hold, hold the turbo button, drive into the, the right side and you just get, you just get a free layup essentially. And so like, this is ki- kind of like, wow, you're actualizing what everybody knew you were capable of who played 2K, which is obviously not real, but you know. Because if people don't know, I looked up the year. This was 2014. So the last year he was with the Heat. And so obviously, if people remember, this is actually, I was wrong. This is actually right in the end of his prime. Like, for me, his prime goes into like the first couple of years on the on the Cavs. So this yeah. was actually like right when he was in his prime. And so it actually doesn't surprise me then that his three-point shoot was so good. Because the sad thing about LeBron is, this was the era on the Heat, if people remember. After the like really bad finals against the Mavs, he did work on his game of fucked on. He got like his post game up. His three-point shooting got way better. He even played defense. People forget. He was trying to win defensive player of the yeah, definitely. Like, in the same way as you now know that he obviously was always going for the GOAT, because famously Michael Jordan did one year, it was 1988, win the defensive. You can tell LeBron tried to do it as well, because this is when he used to play defense as well. And actually, if people don't know, he could be a good shooter at this time, because I always thought his shot came from what you're saying, the fact that one, he's a good passer, but two, he's the absolute best at going to the basket. Like, he can just boulder through you. So as a result, I've always thought the sad thing about his game is, the reason I'm not a fan of his game in the modern day, is because everyone in the fucking arena knows the threes 
he's going up when he comes down to do it now. Like, he just picks and chooses when he goes to the basket now. Like, he does so many more, like, as if he was a sick three-point shooter threes that aren't good. These are the ones where it's like, listen, mate, if, you, if you're getting inside every time you want and it's free throws or a layup, then you're going to get sagged off and then you're going to get the open three and then you're going to get the easy three. That's the one where no one expects it. There's no pressure and you do, like, that's the, that's the three I want LeBron to take. So the funny thing is, this also just show you, like, an alternate dimension. If he just wasn't as greedy, he could actually be an even sicker scorer, of course. I, uh, one thing for... As, oh, unselfish, your... rather. Is. Yeah, sure. One thing for the greater context of yes. this game and, and something that was fun about it is that this is the first game that LeBron actually wore the clear mask because he was his broken oh, nose. That's right, yes. he, he, he was actually wearing the carbon fiber looking mask before this. And then the NBA told him you need to switch to a clear mask. And it didn't look as cool. Like, I wish he's I was say I wish he did this in the carbon fiber mask because it would have looked more bad. Basically, the one that looks cloudy or white because it's the same one that Kobe had. I remember like that one looks yeah. dope because it makes you look like you're Jason or something, doesn't it? As you're doing it like. But yeah, the yeah. clear one just looks weird, doesn't it? By the way, I've always yeah. thought because Kobe also had a sick game when he had a mask on as well. I've always thought as well, if you know these guys, the joke is because I imagine the other players are like, oh, don't hit me in the face. He's got a mask on. I think they just abuse that. They're like, right, fuck it. Then I'm just going ham then, right? I'll, <laughs> let me like push this out then sort of because essentially you, they're gonna have to go a bit easier because right? you've got to fucking you've literally got a mask because you, your nose is broken away like they're not just yeah, gonna elbow yeah. you at that point when you're like the most famous player in the nba come on <laughs> yeah you would think so but what's funny is that actually in this game even even though that happens he does just like he does just run into people yes. and they're the ones that fall down pretty often so yeah. by the way that's also the last thing i'll say about lebron the reason why those fucking flops are so egregious is because <laughs> bro the idea like physics doesn't work that way you can't have like we're saying a guy this size <laughs> run know. into you and then and then like he's the one that but like what, are you, what is he made out of like fucking rubber or something like yeah, <laughs> you're the one who goes down obviously so it's just one of those things where it's like look listen LeBron anyone who's actually played sports knows these aren't fouls like you couldn't no. be pushed out like that like it's either, if this was MMA where you don't want to get knocked down you'd still be on your feet let me put it that way right mm -hmm. what about this then well I'll tell you there was one other old school one that I had in there I forgot about which was obviously the Larry Bird one where he had the 60 years career high against the Hawks now first of all this is the famous game you'll have all heard of where it's not even because of the 60 it's because of the anecdote which you see on the game where the Hawks bench literally starts applauding themselves because the game's too insane so what happens is he's making so many sick shots it's the one where famously right because Larry Bird was the guy who used to do the Babe Ruth he used to call his shot before he did it and in this game there's a shot he has that doesn't count right but for the story this is where like life almost becomes like a movie Maui because since he'd been calling all these shots and in this game by the way his shot's so pure he's just making everything yeah, there's supposedly one where he says to them right now I'm gonna like you know go left and then it when I shoot it, I'll be I'll fall down in the trainer's lap. And so if you ever see him, he shoots it, right? But he steps on out of bounds, so it doesn't count actually, or something like that. And then he does intentionally, like almost like theatrically, dive into the trainer's lap where it goes in, you know. And the joke on that one is, even though it doesn't count because like he stood out of bounds or whatever, even then it's such a bonkers shot and such a, the, 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 the hawks bench themselves are like high fiving and shit. Because this is like a game where it's like you're just getting murked that bad, you may as well just enjoy it. You know what I mean? Like if I get because here's the other thing. If someone does you like in some of the other games we talk about they just have 33 throws or they just have you know fucking a bunch of easy maybe people play shit defense because this is like all fucking shooting and it's just pure like that is literally where you have to what you say tip your hat you just go okay you know what at the end of the day it is basketball if you could just make shots and they all go in what can i do like, that? like at the end of the day i'm not 18 foot tall you have to just say yeah you win on this one like it's the hardest way to win as well by the way guys so i think this is it if you're ever a fan of old school players or you just want to know how good larry bird was this game is fucking nuts like it just shows you again it's another player if people don't know where he also would just fuck around
around and get like eight assists in a game where he probably could have just scored 50 a bunch more. So I think this is a great one. This is a classic. There was something that's just so fun about this era, really, where it, it before Jordan really took over the NBA and changed everything, it something about it just felt like like a folk tale, like it's a fable or something, where it's just that Larry Bird could probably like just plant a magic beanstalk and then it would just grow to the high heavens because it's just like the way he played the game just felt so fanciful in some ways. And I think that's probably due in part to the fact that he does look like a, like an oversized and stretched out leprechaun. So I maybe am thinking that right now, but at the same time, I, I just feel like when the way that bird could seemingly pull the trigger with the ball from anywhere at any point in time. Like, it doesn't matter what stance he was in, because you think about modern players today, even like the Clay Thompson amazing quarter, he's, he kind of has to load the ball in a very specific way. It has this, like, pure aesthetic that, like, he's honed over so much time. But for whatever reason, when Larry Bird does it, it kind of just looks like a party trick. It looks like, hey, look at this. Hey, look at I can shoot like this. I can shoot like this. It's just like, it's like so ridiculous. It looks like you're in a carnival or something. And that's, like, especially with the old footage, the way the lighting just kind of like blurred a little bit in these motions too, you almost kind of can't see exactly what's even happening. And so it does kind of feel like cheap magic. It's like, how is this even possible? Like, like he's literally like throwing his body across a defender, oh, somehow ones, yeah. lifting, lifting yeah. the ball sideways. And then it just goes in and it just switches yes. perfectly. It just doesn't feel real. So. Oh, he's also but, another player with insane, like air control and stuff yeah. to get the shot off. His, sh his shooting's like so precise in those now. Like oh, that should be hard shots. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he just makes he just makes everything look so effortless. And that's why I think Larry Bird still has this mystique that surrounds him. And, also, and really, I'm going to say yeah. this, right? Here's one thing I need. To, if anyone hasn't watched this game, just look it up the video just so you can corroborate what I say now. This will sound like such a weird, like, you know, like pointless thing to say, but it's not. If you watch loads of basketball, because this is in the 80s, right, Maui? If you ever watch, obviously this is before Air Jordan, so like back then the best was like a Converse or something, right? Dude, when you watch his shoes now, his <laughs> shoes look like almost like orthopedic shoes, like they look like yeah, something yeah. like your granddad would wear, like when they're like old in fucking Florida, like, so it looks like someone's wearing like church shoes and just making like all these like money butter shots. Like, it <laughs> actually makes I mean. it seem cooler, because I agree with you. The difference is, Maui, when I see like just Michael Jordan's body He's obviously a mega athlete. He's fucking unbelievable. His air control time time. He's, he's literally like a grapefruit taking the ball. Larry Bird looks like he's just fucking the valet who just drove your car out. And then you're like, oh, can I play? And then he's just draining <laughs> yeah, all the yeah. Like you say, it's almost like one of those commercials where Kyrie Irving pretended to be the old man or whatever, but he just is who Larry Bird is. Like, and that's why it's so sick. I agree with you. It almost has like an aspect that isn't sport. Like it almost is like John Wick or something, isn't it? It's like, how's yeah. he doing this? What is this shit? Like, but it is a bagger as a result. Like, that's why even on this one, like, like, if you know my, my mentality for sports, I would be the coach who was really mad. Like, oh, what? How are the? How dare you cheer the opponent? But like, if I'm not actually on their staff, I get why they did it. Man, it just, if you saw this, you wouldn't even believe it was real. Would just like a dream or something. The fuck. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I, I just love how the cameras look back then. It make, there just is like a magical element to every shot. It just it it feels like like a Wong Kar Wai film a little bit. It's just yes. Funny. So, okay, another recent one that obviously made me think of this was obviously Luka Doncic's 73 against the Hawks. And this one really did make me think of this, mate, because I've got to tell you, obviously everyone's thinking I'm going to bang on all the modern games. Dude, I have no complaints whatsoever about this. What would I have to complain about? First of all, what an insanely efficient 73-point game this is. Like, the fucker barely misses a shot. I think, what does he miss? Like, seven shots or something in the whole game. Like, and then secondly, mate, he doesn't, like... Look, I won't say he doesn't force it, I guess, because that's absurd because Luka Doncic's whole game is to force long three-point yeah, shots. Yeah. But 
in the sense of who he has on his team and the personnel, the way the game goes, like it is appropriate offense for how they play. Put it that way. Like he doesn't, he wasn't greedy in this one. I actually think, by the way, this is an example of a game. If you look how efficient he is, we're in a normal game. If you just miss five more, look, it's still be a really great game. He's got like 68 points, but it wouldn't have been the same level. Like the spectacle of this is insane. It's another one you also have to make all these shots to win the game. Like you just have to do it. Like I actually think as much as I might have criticism, this is easily his best game. This is actually one of the best games I've ever seen. It's really bonkers how good he is. Oh yeah, I mean the the only, I guess I'll, I'll 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 throw some haterism at this one just because I feel like it needs to be done. But I think that there's two things that I feel like I didn't love uh, when looking at this one. One, uh, the hairband for Luca, and when he when his hair gets sweaty and the way it falls over. I just oh, think, that's not aesthetically great. Sure. Oh yeah, he's gonna look back at that and be like, sure. I just wish I got a haircut before this yes. one, or I wish I just did something different with that hairband because it doesn't look great. Oh, so um, this is like when you you didn't get your haircut before photo day or something. Now you're just gonna look stupid forever, right? I see. Okay. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He didn't know to be fair, he was gonna score like... seventy three. He thought it was just a regular game, didn't he? So yeah. You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. If I'm just working, if I'm just working a small event like an ESL yes. Pro League, I'll shave my head sure. for it. I don't care. Like it doesn't matter to me. Um, it's the big events where I get the nice one. Yeah. Uh, the the thing with Luca also is that like it, it's like when you like one of the reasons I think I've had a, a little bit harder of a time coming around to Luca is just the pure aesthetics of it are not quite as pretty as like some of the people from the past, like even Curry. But I'm talking like the Durant, Kobe, T Mac type look where they're just they're so much more elegant. But the thing is that Luca understands his physical attributes to a point where he makes everything look so slow because he has such broad shoulders that he can almost throw his defenders off balance because he just kind of barely throws his shoulder or his body into them. He's able to somehow maintain that lower center of gravity because he admittedly has some pretty, uh, he's kind of stocky in a weird, in a weird way for yes. a guy that's like six foot six or whatever he is, six foot six or seven. Oh, he doesn't look he, that built, does he? He looks really strong in his upper body, mate. Yeah. Yeah, and so he can like throw his weight around just a little bit, kind of like Jokic does in some way, but he's a little bit more of a wing kind of guy. Like he, he's a little bit more mobile on the outside. And so when when watching Luca in this one, he kind of like yeah, he's throwing defenders off balance, but he has a couple really just beautiful ones where it's like he just like drives baseline, has a like he's falling falling into the into the out of bounds, and then he still is able to sink these shots. But like when when watching Luca again, it does just feel like sometimes the game is in slow motion because even when he does his step back threes, he's so aware of the opponent's balance and their lack of balance when he's when he's dribbling in certain ways that as soon as he knows he has them sent in a certain direction, he'll instantly pull back and he does it in such a controlled manner that it's almost you watch it and you're like, how did that professional athlete not catch you and block that shot in time? And yet you still had the time because his release isn't even that high either. No, so no. You, you you see it and you're like, how do you keep doing it? But he just has such a great understanding. Like the thing is that sometimes the best there, there's sometimes some really good fighting game players. If people, if you people watch FGC that don't actually necessarily have like the best tech technical ability, but they just have such great reads of their opponents. And that's what sometimes right. Luca comes across to me as where he's just so in tune with the motions of his opponents around him that he knows when he's when he is advantage and then he can strike in a controlled manner it's like that's the thing that about Luca is like late game situations I've seen him miss a lot of shots because you have to force it you just have to force the shot but when he's in a more controlled half court offense he knows exactly when he's got them beat and that's that's exactly what he did this game he just understood his opponents so well that he always knew when he was one step ahead 
oh, by the way, if we're going to make, expand it to more general thoughts about him, look, I have criticisms. The obvious criticisms go like this. He is a ball hog, absolutely. I mean, first of all, because he's also good at passing. So unfortunately, yeah. he just oh, his usage is ridiculous. And then secondly, the reason why I, I, that, the reason why that's not necessarily like, like you might say, yeah, but he plays for the Mavs. Yeah, but here's the problem. One, he has Kyrie Irving now, and then he used to have that fucking Brunson guy. By the way, do you think it's a coincidence the Brunson guy left and instantly became like way better? He was held back. I can yeah, tell, like, yeah. he, that, that's almost like the Mavs were cynical with this fucking... That guy had way more game than he was able to show. So, unfortunately, I think back on all those... Because, remember, people used to say even when he was there, oh, it's just Luca against the world. He has to score for... Well, it turns out he didn't. He was just actually probably being a bit greedy because he was too young. And then I agree with you. The reason why I, I'm not as big a fan when this guy guns loads of threes from, like, the fucking logo is it just doesn't have the aesthetics of it. Like, mate, <laughs> I agree know. as well. He doesn't jump high enough. Like, the reason why, if people don't know, I... Like, I've always said, the player I literally would tell fuck the green light i don't you shouldn't you're not even allowed an amber light you're not allowed to slow down it's kevin durant because bro no one can get to your shot no one can get you're already amazing and this motherfucker plenty of people can get there like you say he has to time it right or he has to do it when it's almost like well he wouldn't dare do it and it's almost like that it's like they're daring him to do it because he doesn't release it from that high up he's the guy where when he shoots a long three i have no idea if it's going in mate normally i actually say the thing i like about basketball as an analyst is as long as they keep the camera angle the same you you, you get pretty good at knowing like i can tell you every time if a Steph Curry shot's going I can see like halfway off the arc this motherfucker yeah. I think even he doesn't know if it's going in me I think he really is just he's chucking it he's doing some like Iverson you just chuck it man he's hoping it goes in <laughs> so fair play it is look if you're a Mavs fan it's cool to watch or maybe more if you're a Luka fan but I do think you can have some great this game though it's just a bag like, this is almost yeah, a perfect game the, from him I give him this the, the efficiency is where it's just off the it's charts. Crazy, isn't it? a, a lot of the ones we've covered so far, what's been impressive about them is that you're like maybe hitting 52%. Uh, I mean, Luca in this one was what he shot 75% from the field. Like that's just absurd. I don't, I don't think any of the games we covered uh, have anybody that shot that well or with that efficiency. And the fact that he scored above 72 is just, it's just, it's just ridiculous. It's simply ridiculous. Yes. No, I think it's just a banger. And then if we're going to go, we're obviously not going too far back, but actually it's perfect. We'll just do the segue since you said it. Why not do the Mellow one? So Mellow had 62 against the Bobcats. Look, for Mellow, there's a few we could have picked. There's obviously that one he had in the Nuggets where he had a crazy like quarter. He had the one against the fucking Heat, actually, when LeBron was there, where he scored 50. And this one against the Bobcats, it's obviously unsurprising his era when he's on the Knicks, right? This is where it's funny because Carmelo got so much criticism when he played for the Knicks because of the scrutiny of being in the Big Apple. And also people thought like, you know, you should be in the championship... I'll just say this. His teams were never close to good enough. I do think he was sometimes a little bit worse than the playoffs. But like that whole thing of like, he's just a black hole with the ball. It's like, yeah, but to be fair, mate, if you ever watch his game, he is fucking amazing when he has the ball though. Like one thing I love about this guy's game that I think is mad underrated is, mate, you know when I said earlier about like LeBron, I don't think of as a pure shooter. I think he, he got pretty good at threes when he really focused on it. But aside from that, his game should be predicated off slashing and then you shoot as the secondary option as like the counter to the defense basically. Dude, Carmelo has to be one of the best shooting small forwards you will ever see in this fucking league. This guy is a monster. Even though, by the way, again, thinking like physical specimen, dude, if this guy played in the 80s, he'd just be like a fucking power forward getting rebounds. Like, I don't even know if they'd let him shoot. Mate, this guy's game offensively, he has such a bag, it's nuts. Like, one of the things I like about him is when he does go to the basket, you can actually look up videos and you'll see this. He literally does it by looking at the defender's feet and all he does is if you're off balance, he goes to the basket. If he doesn't, he takes a shot. He actually, if people don't know, it's, he's not, 
not forcing it. He actually does take what the defense gives him. And I also think, like, his mid-range, especially in this game, it's fucking fire. When he actually does have it going, like, for his size, look, there's plenty of players have amazing, but for his size, I haven't seen someone with a jump shot that looks that nice, mate. Like, I think it looks beautiful. I agree with you, though. It's always, he just goes straight up, though. He goes straight up in a straight line at the top, at the apex, he shoots it. But when he hits, though, I was a fan of his game. I'm a little bit of a mark. Like, I know he has downsides, but when he has games that were excellent, I also did think people didn't give him his love because he didn't get the rings, you know? Yeah, I, I, I love this game because I, I know exactly where I was because I lived in New York at the time when I when this right. game was going on. So I, I was, um I mean, I was living on like 110th Street in Manhattan. Oh, in that so case, was, you know, one thing you yeah. should talk to, Maui, is that's one All thing right. I feel like people don't get. Dude, the Knicks fans, maybe at the end they hated on him. They actually properly embraced him. Like, I bet he was. Oh, I, bet, I bet New York was popping when he was there. He was the shit, right? Yes. Yeah. 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 If, Mello, if Mello was popping off, you would know. You would know by halftime. Right. Always. Like, that's just that's right. just what it was. So, yeah, it just would be something that just kind of like it just goes through the city. Like people would mention it. People have the games on in their stores and stuff like that. So, yeah, this was a this was a great one where I mean, I, I think that what Mello to me epitomizes is just ultimate ultimate like ultimate offensive player in the triple threat if he gets the ball yes. in the in like the the high post or anything like that defenders on him he just like like you said he observes what their feet are doing and like so many times in this game especially and throughout his career really he'll just he'll like do a little jab step he'll see what they give him do they bite do they go back if they take a step back he's just going right up and the thing about mellow compared to like uh, a few people on this list including like including Kobe, like Kobe, Kobe, like I was saying, like when he Kobe rises, sometimes it's like a little bit off kilter. Sometimes it's a little bit off. But like when Carmelo goes up, it's like rigor mortis. Like the dude's body just goes flat. Like he strains out so quickly that there is no chance you are going to recover if you are a half step away yes. from him. So he is so, so ferocious with the speed here. And that's why like. It's easy from an aesthetic side of things to appreciate Carmelo's game compared to like Luca, because like he just like when I watch Luca, it feels like slow motion compared to Carmelo. Yes. Like Carmelo is going so quick, and it's just from the triple threat position. He does have some crazy moments in this one. Like I remember at halftime where he sinks the the buzzer beater from half court, where he's like falling, he's like falling forward and everything like that. And also like his signature celebration that he would do. Like I remember oh, the, every no, no, that one. The, Yes, 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 yes. Go to, yeah, where you make the you make the. If anybody's just like listening to the podcast and not actually watching it, it's like where you make the the circle sign with your between your thumb and index finger, and then you hit the three like three of your middle finger, ring finger. It gets you hype as fuck when he does it. Let's be real. It's, it's so fire. Dope. Isn't it? it is. It's it is. So dope. Yeah. You you just do that. Like people in New York still do that to each other type stuff. It's so yes. stupid. It's just such a funny. It's such a funny hand sign, and it's just permeated throughout the culture. So like when talking about cultural impact, like yeah, Melo didn't ever really have the greatest achievements or anything like that but just being in new york anything you do is gonna just oh, send sure. send shockwaves throughout the entire uh basically all of america so um yeah that's that's yes. a big reason for him here that this one kind of just goes down in history even though another game by the way that alfred jefferson did do too bad i know it's shocking it i actually saw that well i was looking that up <laughs> yeah. now like al jefferson yeah. can't catch a fucking break it's like <laughs> you must have some cursed monkey paw shit because whenever he does like a good game someone else just has their career high against him like, <laughs> yeah I what know. do you want bro what do you want I also, yeah. by the way, there's another point that you made there, actually. The other thing that makes it, because I all, because what I feel like is the problem is this. 
I know in general I say don't take like what players say as like gospel, but you can use it as like circumstantial evidence. You know, like, oh, it paints a picture of what someone's like or how hard it is. All I'll tell you is this, Maui. Despite what fans say, there are loads of defenders say Carmelo Anthony is the hardest player to defend at his peak, by the way. And one of the reasons why, like you're saying, is he had the whole bag. Like, think about it, right? He's a, he's a fucking bully too. He can just physically yep. move you off the block and go up and get in the fucking... He can go around you because he has skill. And to me, his shooting is so amazing because, like I say, he almost did the Kobe thing where because you know you're going to shoot it you have you can't have just one shot you have to have all the counters and all the spin moves and stuff so he used to even do that shit sometimes where he would intentionally instead of holding the ball here and looking he would hold it up here so then if he decides to just go up and shoot it's like it's just it, there's nothing there like you say you can't get to that like I, th I think another thing fans don't realize is if you're a defender you either have to like just sort of mirror what they do or you have to preempt it there's no way you can preempt when this guy's taking a shot like because the joke is he reads it off you so he sees like the second of like you're off kill uh, or you moved up a second like you say it, and he's just so fast at doing the shot like it's over at that point in time and also let's be real when you're a guy like him because I think he's another person who's a physical fucking specimen mate. this guy's got an amazing body good luck by the way block like doing that thing where you know where you're trying to tap the arm there I mean, if you do that he's just getting a free throw and making the shot you're never going to stop the shot it's, he's, this guy's so strong it's ridiculous like he even looks hench but I've heard as well he's got like a crazy like everyone says he's sort of like really muscly and fibrous as it were you know he looks like a fucking beast mate that's why the joke is back in the day like I'll just say it right now it's obviously everyone's career's over so there's no problem like mate even though that was the year when it's supposed to be the easiest win for the Lakers when they won in 2009 mate I was shit scared when they played that Nuggets team I thought like fucking hell what if fucking Carmelo Anthony chews up Pau Gasol's arse and <laughs> yeah. it's got, like I was actually really worried he was going to do that like, and, and fucking deny the ring so it's all well and good now pretending like we all think this guy's a bomb he was fucking scary in his prime guys and this is a great example yeah he's fucking murksome although by the way Bobcats just can't <laughs> and also I'll throw this out there the one thing I'll say is this though Maui the one angle that I can accept that the Bobcats are getting these career highs is because you're also sort of doing it because Michael Jordan owns them as well at that point you're sort of like yeah. listen hey Mike check this out bitch you know what I mean? Like, I can't lie. That's pretty cool. I, I vibe with that. I fuck with that. That's cool. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I've got one more. Obviously, sadly, this is immediately... I'll let you go first on this one because otherwise I'll, I'll have to instantly spin into like a seven-minute rant because it's a Kevin Durant one, but Kevin Durant's career high is only 55 points against the Hawks. So just start there because obviously, you know, he doesn't have a 70 game. He doesn't have a 60 game. 55. What do you think? In terms of the yeah the high score for him being fifty five that's that's really Wild, isn't it? <laughs> it's really surprising because you see he do, does this on nineteen for twenty shooting and he shot eight for ten from three in this like the efficiency is so unreal and so many times it does feel like that's why it's so like I feel like I might know where you're gonna go with this but it's a little bit about his character unfortunately where like how he wanted the nickname the servant which is just the most beta thing of all time like, come on like like what 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 are you serving dude just 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 shoot more like please like no you don't need to serve anybody like get the ball and do what you're doing here because so many times in this game it's like what what he was so good at in this game is that like he gets a high screen or even kind of just takes the ball across half court just shoots a three and it's like dude you actually have that shot of accessible to you at all times. Like there's no reason you shouldn't think you're going to beat any of these people. Cause first of all, you're like five inch, five, five inches taller than practically every defender that's on you. And then also like from this range, like they're going to sag off you a little bit because they know that you have a, a game in terms of you have dribble penetration. So that's where it's really frustrating with Duran. Um, he, he does a lot of stuff in this game that like, again, reminds you of his skill set that he does get a couple times where he's able to get, where he's able to dribble inside. Uh, but really this is, a game for me where 
in some ways, actually, I, I find like of all the games we covered, it doesn't have the best aesthetics because it's so much of it is just like, oh, you were on a fast break and you took a three. Like this kind of is unfortunately where I feel like the modern, this is like the best case scenario for what the modern NBA wants, which is just like jack up a bunch of threes with better than 33% efficiency. And now you're scoring over one point per possession. And basically Durant goes like, well, be well above and beyond that. Like he scored, he, again, he scores eight for 10 from the three point line. He does, he does do some some good mid-range stuff he has a, some good moments also where he's able to beat his defender with like a drop step off the dribble and stuff like that so he has these really sweet little moments too but it just is just like you watch this and it like haven't I haven't I seen this before haven't I seen him do so many things like that like is this I when you brought this up to me I was almost like oh yeah that's his career high imagine it like yeah. what what's that about why why, why is it why isn't it 70 because it could be I mean, even just the idea in your brain, he's never scored 60. It's like, what? Yeah, that's what? ridiculous. Like, in fact, there's, there's even the piece of trivia for you that'll impress all your friends if they're not nerds. Ask who has the higher career high, LeBron or Kevin Durant. And they're going to be shocked when they find out it's LeBron. That's going to blow people's minds. Because, dude, the reason it's so criminal is, I know I do it about Jokic a lot, but Durant was my original guy for this. Motherfucker, please just shoot the ball. Please, please. Like, literally, he's one of the only players ever where I actually think he's like the cheat code on offense. He has everything, mate. He has a fucking sick mid-range, amazing three-point shooting. Like, I always used to say, the joke is, when he went to the Warriors, like... They really did have, like, like what, three of the top ten three-point shooters ever to play basketball. Like, it was criminal how good they were. Because, like, the joke is he was with Claire Thompson. And, stuff, and he was still, what, like a 47% three-point shooter. It was insane. Yeah. It was insane how good he was from three. So, I, I wish he shoots more threes. I also do think, for some reason, I mean, people will know this. He has this sort of weird, idiosyncratic personality. I think he does sort of get in his own head. Because the sad thing is, I actually want to sit, like, him and Harden down and go, guys, we did this all the wrong way around, right? Harden, you're supposed to be more and pass more dickhead, right? Durant, you're the one who's supposed to God all the time, especially if your teammates are like, you got your whole careers wrong, you fucked it up. Especially as, remember, the other thing that's so sick to me is this, Maui. You play off the ball. If they pass you it, you're allowed to shoot it. You're allowed to, Kevin. You're not You're not the point guard. You don't have to pass the ball to shoot it. Like, he's because I always think people misunderstand how OP his height is. His yeah. height and then his shooting mechanics are also fantastic as well. Like, this really is, like, the joke is, I've always said this, this is the player where, like, if I came to the NBA, I would actually choose this guy's skills. Give me his skills and then see what I'll do with it, mate. Like, I think he's so good. He's so, so the idea of all these players and this, he has a 55 career high, I don't know how that's possible. In my brain, this guy should definitely have, like, a 70-point game, minimum some 60s. Like, he could have done it so many times as well. He's so sick. Yeah. He's so good. The thing that is so weird about... Durant and learn and realizing that this is his 50 this is his career high at 55 is that like it's almost to me a sign that he's just not as competitive as some of the all-time greats who were just so much more merciless with with their scoring outputs and outbursts because it, it kind of reminds me and even the way that just watching how he carries himself in this game it's like if I ever smurf in Counter-Strike and I just realize, oh, I'm a, I'm, I'm play, I want to play with one of my friends and I just want to like have fun. I'm not going to try even at 70%. I'm just like oh, trying sure. to have fun, but I'm still going to, I'm still going to own the game. And it almost feels like when I watch Durant, it's like, 
Dude, you could just be slaughtering everybody in this game because your height is such an unfair advantage and it almost just feels like do you not want to use it like do you want not want to impose yourself as much because like that's how i feel when i'm smurfing like i just and and but the thing is i'm not playing when i'm smurfing i know if i if i start playing at 100 i'm gonna ruin people's like oh, experiences. Sure. like yes. i'm just gonna make everybody feel bad and like just people are gonna be mad it's like oh there's a smurfing problem or something like that it's like durant you're you're playing in a league that is like about your legacy and your history will go down whether or not you you perform at this certain level but for me in a smurf game i don't care because i don't want to i don't want to like don't don't think don't be empathetic to your opponents no, and don't no. be empathetic to your team like just just <clears throat> just go just go crazy i wish he, that's why i just wish he went a little bit wilder in these kind of moments because like you just did there like what i don't are defenses really locking him up like in these kind of moments that it make it this much harder to do what i just saw there because I have a hard time believing that he couldn't go for 50 because like we, we oh, by the now, way, he's also another player where people see it's like impossible to defend. Like every defender's yeah. like, what do you do? <laughs> yeah. It, it's like, we're now seeing almost the NBA. Some of the people in the NBA are like Luca, for example, are just realizing, Oh yeah, I'm, I'm kind of unguardable. Like yes. I'm going to, I can just do this and I can just always score. It just feels wrong because basketball wasn't always played sure. like this. And I think that in a weird way, we're shifting towards these hyper offensive superstars that are just so, so good and real at real. And now they're all realizing, wait, 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 you're telling me I can just jack up the volume and I will maintain a pretty high level of efficiency as long as my cardio is in order. Well, I'm just going to start doing that now. And it's it's made basketball a little bit weird with the with how many people are just scoring 60 plus this season, for example. But I, I don't I don't know why Durant is leaving his career high at this one, because he obviously can do more. I mean, put it this way. I, I get I gave the analogy before, but I'll complete it. The other one that is that'll blow your mind is this one, Maui. Right. If I asked you to guess without Googling, what do you think Jokic's career high is? Take, oh, no. take a guess. Oh no! I mean, now that now that you're bringing it up like this, I'd say something similar to Durant, probably like 50, 52. It's forty nine be... points. Forty nine. Now the reason I bring this up is if you've ever watched this guy's game for the last three seasons, he just yeah. cooks motherfuckers every day. But the problem is, he really is Maui. This is why analytics ruins things, in my opinion. He must just really love that fucking gold star from the coach for having a sixty eight percent field goal for the game. Because I don't get it, mate. Like this is the guy where, like, if there's anyone in the modern day who also should have like a gang of fifty points, this guy should have like fifty point games this season, mate. Like he just has games where he's just running the. But like I say, he'll just like oh great I went 14 out of you know 20 and I got eight assists and three offensive rebounds it's like look that's brilliant for like a stat sheet but yeah you know you could actually just beat the man dude like again they, they can't stop you bro like you're un you're unguardable <laughs> I it seems like sometimes, like, like Jokic, for example, forgets that the most valuable point at the end, of, or the most valuable stat at the end of the game is points. Yes. Like, let's not forget that, yes. that that is how you win games is by scoring them. It's not, it's actually, all of them work in tandem to create a winning product, but, like, you do need points, and if you can just By the way, that's even, I'll tell you, I'll tell, this is one area, sadly, this is why I wish I actually could do sports interviews, mate, because interviews are quite crap in the NBA and other sports, right? Because they don't ever get into, like, philosophy things that y'all talk about. I can tell you, if you ever actually see interviews that rarely someone asks an interesting question like that like you ask a Kobe like do you shoot too much volume or do you chuck it or whatever what they'll tell you is what you just said is like I don't give a fuck what my box score says I care about if we get the W so their logic goes in a game that's shit for both teams in a messy game I don't mind that I'm going to miss like 
eight out of the next 12 shots. As long as I make the four and we get the points to win by four points, that's all I care about. That's So in that scenario, it's a different... I, I agree with you. You've nailed it. It's a totally different mindset, though, you notice. That one's more like, I'm going to do anything, even if I look stupid, by the way, to win the game. These guys, it feels like Jokic, Durant, or Curry. It almost feels like they've been trained too much by the analytics people that, like, a good game 